Welcome to Conversations. I'm your host, Doug Doohan, and joining me this segment is Amy Friedman, author, editor, and co-founder of Pops the Club, which is Pain of the Prison System, and editor of Advice to Ninth Graders, which is also part of the Pathfinder Club. So join us as we look at issues that affect us here at home in our community and across the nation. Today, we're going to talk about children with a parent in prison. First of all, Amy, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So before we really dive too deep into the topic at hand, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and why is this important to you? Absolutely. Um, There's a 35-year-old story to this, which is um, 30 years ago, I was a newspaper columnist writing about prisons. I was writing about a lot of things, but while writing about prisons, I met, fell in love with, and married a man who was in prison and raised two daughters with a dad in prison. Um, And in that experience, um, I came to understand how deeply impacted kids are um, by the stigma of having a loved one who's incarcerated and the shame. And I, I used to sort of wryly say that my daughters became world-class liars, um, that they had been so stigmatized by their father's actions and their father's incarceration that they learned to lie about who they were and what they were experiencing and just to keep keep secret um, what they were going through. And um, there's a very long trajectory to this story, but I... My my ex-husband and I divorced after seven and a half years. The girls and I never divorced. And when I remarried um, many years later, um, I, I married a man who is a high school teacher. And I began going into his classrooms as a, I've been a writer my whole life, as a writing instructor and started to realize that Every single classroom we walked into, there were one, two, five kids who were impacted by this experience. And um, so very long story short, one day we figured out, let's do something to support these kids. And 11 years ago this month, we launched the first Hops Club at one high school in Los Angeles at Venice High. So that's, that's, that's what drew me. Well, so the statistic that I saw um, was one in 14 uh, children has a parent who is incarcerated, which is much higher than I would have ever thought. And you talking about, you know, one to five children in each classroom and and something that I had noticed was I don't remember any kids that I went to school with having incarcerated parents. So, yes, they are hiding this fact. So can we talk a little bit? Uh, about the stigmas that kids face, and, and not just from students, but also from teachers and faculty. You know, the reason you don't know that number, and 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 I I also want to point out that it is one in fourteen who have a parent who is or has been incarcerated. But when you expand that out to people who have siblings or cousins or uncles or aunts or boyfriends or girlfriends, it's massive number. And why you don't know is because of the stigma that's attached to loving someone who's inside. Um, that's one part of it. The the societal stigma, like we we just when I when I got married to a man who was in prison, I all of a sudden 
my status was suddenly different in the eyes of everyone around me, in the eyes of my coworkers, my family, my close friends. Um, and and I was a grown up, you know, I, I could handle it. Kids who have never done anything wrong um, understand really young. I remember my daughters telling me that when their dad went to prison, they were um, shunned by friends' families. They weren't allowed to go visit their homes. You know, like, like all kinds of things happened that suddenly they were, there was something wrong with them. There was that sense. And I think teachers who don't know that's experience kind of have, can have that judgment. Although many teachers themselves have the experience of having had a loved one who was incarcerated. Um, but it's, it's this overarching sort of sense of you are the other. And, and in truth, there's so many of us and of kids impacted this way that, that it, it, they're not the other. Um, we just don't, we just don't know about them. Um, so the, the purpose of this club when we founded it was to number one, give kids in school a safe place where they could find out they weren't alone, where they could meet all these other kids who had experiences much like their own. And where other people in the school, teachers, administrators, other students, could see, look at look at the numbers, and look, these kids are just like you and me. Um, they're they're not different. They just have this um, experience that they're having to navigate, which is can be really challenging in a million ways. Yeah, and I mean, I assume the stigma from other children, as well as, like you say, the stigma from teachers, assuming that that somehow reflects a morality in the student uh, having a parent who is incarcerated. Outside of the classroom, you mentioned uh, like maybe not being invited to other friends' houses or whatever. What challenges do children face outside of school and in their home and social lives? Well, and let me tell you, the the first really in-depth study that was done about this population, because mostly nobody, including research scientists, did thought about the impact of this mass incarceration system we have here, what it was doing to all the people who were affected who weren't being sent away, um, but who were being left behind at home, was done by the Annie E. Casey Foundation, not until 2016, which is where a lot of these numbers come from, from that study that was called a shared sentence. And one of the things they found and subsequent studies have found is impact on school dropout, on poor grades, on mental and physical health challenges, on um, depression, anxiety, um, and I, just the whole raft of um, what are called Adverse Childhood Experiences, ACEs, some of your listeners may know that lingo. Um, they, they are much like the ACEs of kids who have lost a parent or a loved one to death. Um, and, but, but when you don't, you know, you, you can't acknowledge it. If somebody's parent dies, they get all kinds of love and affection and comfort and solace and care. Um, parents sent away to prison, they get stigmatized. Um, so um, the the impacts are profound. And um, 
And I want to say that happy news is that the impacts, we are also now being um, studied by um, a group of public health um, professionals uh, under a National Institutes of Health study out of the University of California at Northridge. And they're finding that so far in the first year and a half of this four-year study that although kids enter the clubs experiencing all these ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, after six months in the club, they start to be comparable to their peers. It, it helps them feel um, better about coming to school, better about um, being able to talk about what they're going through, all that kind of thing. So, but it is it is a profoundly impactful experience. Um, you know, you are losing a parent. You're also dealing with, um, I think about stories like kids who've written about um, what it's like to go visit a parent. I don't know if if you or any of, you know, I'm sure many of your listeners have visited somebody in prison. It is a really difficult, challenging experience. And when you're a child and you're doing that, it's it's really challenging. Is it? A bit of the feeling isolated, like this is an experience that only you're going through, and mm. and and if so, then talk to me about the clubs and and what you guys do to try to remove that feeling or that stigmatization. It's it's absolutely my my kids were sure that they were the only ones, and I knew they weren't. But you know, when a parent tells a kid something, it's like, yeah, that's not true, right? Um, the, the impact of the clubs, I'm going to tell you the best way I can tell you is by a story, which is the very first club meeting on the very first day that was at Venice High School in 2013, exactly a year ago, um, or exactly 11 years ago, sorry, um, though it feels like a year ago. The first girl who walked in the room, we, we had a couple rules. Um, the, the rules remain the same. There, there is always food because that creates an atmosphere of breaking bread and community. Um, no one has to say why they're there. You don't have to call, come into the room and say, I'm here and I have a dad in prison, or I have a mom, or I have a sister. You know, you come in because you feel this is meaningful to you. Um, and, and we use creative arts in the room, and we have guest speakers, and, but, and, and the, the space is a safe space. No bullying, no making fun of, no none of that. So first girl who walked in the first first day of the first meeting was a 10th grader. She walked in, she picked up her then we were feeding people peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that my husband made the night before. And um, second girl walked in the room, another 10th grader. And I saw them look at each other across the room with this shock on their faces because we learned a few minutes later, they had been friends, close friends, since kindergarten. And the one secret they didn't know about each other, they knew all kinds of secrets about each other. They did not know that each of them had a father who was incarcerated and had been for many years. But it was the thing that they didn't tell each other. It was the secret they didn't share. And when suddenly that secret could be let go of, they like flew into each other's arms, ran over to me, told me that story. And I saw in their faces what kind of relief there was. And I looked at my husband and I said, okay, we're going to launch a nonprofit and we're going to bring this to every school that we can. So um, 
that experience those girls had, I've seen it again and again and again in a million different ways. But it's it's a it's a sort of um a moment I'll never forget. And um it just keeps replaying out each time we open a new club and each time there are more kids they they think of the clubs, they often call them their family. Um there's no but you know how high school kids like ninth graders can't talk to 12th graders and 11th graders can't talk to 10th graders, not in the clubs. It's like, it doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter what clique you're in. In that club, everybody connects with each other. Thinking about all the good that comes to the members uh, being involved and being able to see uh, that they're not alone, seeing that they have friends, you know, close lifelong friends that are experiencing the same thing as you outside of that, now, as like uh, if if you have a friend or or your child has a friend or you're a teacher or a youth sports coach and you're aware of a child with a parent in prison, what advice would you give them for better understanding and supporting their needs? Yeah, well, my first advice would be to recognize that this is a person who just needs your support and your love and your understanding and also um needs space to be able to feel like they will not be judged for their loved one's um, experience. Um, I, I, I still have that dream, Doug, of the, these clubs being in every school, and um, we are working on, on expanding. We're, we're now in um, four states and um, too, too few schools, but, but growing. So um, I would say I can give the information of how to how to get a hold of of um, of us to express any interest in bringing it to your school. But most importantly, I think to have a conversation um, within the the society of your school about how vast the impact of this is and how little we little most of us know about what what these young people are going through. So the book is, is uh, called advice for a ninth grader. And can you tell me about that? How were the people who contributed and this is art, this is stories, this is poetry. How did it have an effect on them? Yeah. Well, and, and let me say too, this is um, the ninth release um, that we've done. The first one out of our merger with the Pathfinder network, which now, um, which is a, a Portland, Oregon-based um, nonprofit that is now operating all the Pops clubs um, and and a Pathfinder club as well. Um, but it, it it affects them in so many beautiful ways. First of all, the act of um, writing and making art um, of any kind is is such a healing experience. I think anybody who's ever done it understands that. So the experience just of creating it is is really meaningful for for the kids who participate. When they see themselves published in books that we make sure are very professionally developed, are are beautiful and beautifully designed and copy edited and proofed and you know like are real books, right? Um, when they hold that in their hands and they see themselves in print, they see their work on the page. They get it that they are a published author or a published artist. Um, it's 
life-changing. Um, I think sometimes they don't even know how life-changing it is until they're a little older. I know now when I speak to kids who were in high school when they published, they they and they're now in their 20s um, and they're in college or graduating or becoming lawyers or artists or writers, they talk about how that moment of first being recognized for having something important to say and seeing it on the page just was life-changing. So, I mean, you mentioned the catharsis of actually going through with writing or creating the art. Um, there's a lot of that too in being able to help out. So how can someone get involved either to help or seek help? Or as you mentioned, if a, if a school wants to sign up and help participate in this program. There's an organization based in Portland that I mentioned that is the, the mothership, I guess, called the Pathfinder Network. Um, and the website for the Pathfinder Network is the thepathfindernetwork.org. Um, they, um, the, the executive director of the Pathfinder Network is a woman named Leticia Longoria Navarro, and she can be found through that website. Um, the, the books are all available. Um, I'm also going to give the POPs email address because it's easiest to find them on that. I mean, not email, sorry, website is popsclubs.org is the website. And, and there's a drop down menu that says books where you can find advice to ninth graders and also all the other books. And there's also ways through that website to connect with the Pathfinder network. So there are all kinds of opportunities. Um, man, I'd love to bring the, bring the club to so many more schools and, and we are working well, Pathfinder network is working on that now. So any questions people have, any thoughts people have, any interest people have, um, those two websites will take you to the people you want to find. Amy, first of all, I've really appreciated the time you've taken for anyone listening who is possibly facing the uh, a parent who is about to be incarcerated or currently has an incarcerated parent, what advice would you have for them? My advice would be um, to be completely kind to yourself, to recognize how much support you will need and that you deserve, that never, ever feel ashamed of anything about yourself, that, that, you know, you want to not become like my daughters were liars. Um, there is nothing that you have done wrong and that you deserve all the support in the world from your teachers, from your friends, from the rest of your family, from our greater community. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me. I've really enjoyed it. I have too, Doug. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Conversations is a public affairs program of the station.